0: Hello and welcome to the Global Careers Calls podcast from the University of London Career Service. Your chance to listen to stimulating career conversations between a member of our team and professionals working in a range of sectors based across the globe. So let's listen into to our Global Careers Call. Welcome to this episode of Global Careers Calls, where Laura Brammer, Deputy Head of the University of London Career Service, talks to Dr Chris Duriaye about his career working in tropical medicine and infectious disease. Chris currently works as a senior consultant based at Sheffield Hospital NHS Trust in the UK, as well as being a senior clinical lecturer at the University of Sheffield. Chris also talks about a range of experiences he's had working in other countries, and it is a fascinating listen. We hope you enjoy it.
1: Hello, everyone, and a warm welcome to Chris Douayaye, who is a consultant physician in infectious diseases and tropical medicine based at uh, Sheffield Hospitals NHS Trust. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Uh, Thank you very much, Laura, for having me.
1: No, my pleasure. And It might just be worth me initially asking, what did you study with us at the University of London and when?
2: So I studied the the Infectious Disease uh, International Degree Programme, so the Postgraduate Diploma Mm -hmm. in 2011, and the Master's of Science, the MSC Mm Programme in 2013.
1: Okay, fantastic. So when you studied with us, both in terms of your postgraduate diploma initially, Would you describe yourself, Chris, at that stage as a career starter? So someone at the beginning of their career, a career developer who'd already got some experience in this sector or a career changer?
2: Yeah, I'll count myself as more like a career developer. Uh, Then when I started the program, I was working in the NHS as a junior doctor and I wished to develop my more interest in infectious diseases. So that's why I took the program.
1: Fantastic. So can you give us a little bit more of an insight into how you became a consultant physician uh, in the field that you're in within the NHS?
2: Okay, uh, so I think uh, I would say my career started from medical school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I my medical school was in the uh, University of Elorne in uh, central uh, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So after the medical school, I did have some interest. I mean, Nigeria, like, being been in a tropical a uh, region of the world, so many infectious-related diseases are very common there. And I work um, five years in Nigeria doing kind of a general practice, seeing a lot of uh, tropical-related infections. And then moving to the UK, and I initially had interest in public health, but along the line, I think I changed my flair to more for infectious diseases. So after moving to the, and the first thing before getting to the UK, I need to do the uh, what we call the PLAB exams, mm-hmm. which is, you uh, are organized by the General Medical Council I'll so we'll be able to have the license to practice in the UK. Then after getting into the UK, after the PLAB one and two exams, I had to go through the specialty training program in infectious diseases, which took about eight years. Yeah, long time. Yeah, yes, eight years. So after the eight years, I now become a, a specialized uh, in infectious diseases. And after that, I need to look for a job. And
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> and have you? And is Sheffield been where you've been based? Have you been based in different parts of the of the NHS system, or has this been the core place where you've got experience?
2: Yeah. So uh, during my uh, years of uh, working as a junior doctor, I worked in different parts of the country, both into Scotland, Northern Ireland, England. But my specialty training in facial diseases, I did that in Wales, in okay. Cardiff, with so yes, and that was the eight years. Then after that, after finish, then I have to apply for a job, and I got a job in Sheffield.
1: Fantastic, it's my I've hometown, Sheffield. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I've long looked back since then.
1: Fantastic, quite right. <laughs> okay, so um, beyond the work that you're doing within within the NHS. Uh, tell us a little bit about the other work you've done uh, within this kind of sphere as well. I know that you've had some international based experience beyond the work that you did in your medical training in Nigeria. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: So, apart from the working as an NHS, as a clinician, and also an uh, honorary consultant, I was an honorary senior clinical lecturer at the University of Sheffield. So, as part of that, I have to be involved in, in academic uh, teaching stuff a little of uh, cool research and, uh, and also try to do some kind of a, a network uh, programming with uh, in Nigeria where I'm from mm-hmm. just networking some of the medical schools there and medical colleagues there just to be able to develop a kind of uh, a networking program.
1: Mm-hmm. Fantastic and during the sort of research parts of your development as well has that enabled you to visit different parts of the world?
2: Oh, well, not, not not quite. I'm not really into that side yet. It's something I do really want to explore. So I just more do local research related to infection locally within the uh, within the UK area. But I think it's one of those things I wish to explore. But I think along the line.
1: Okay, fantastic. So um, one of the things that our students always want help with is to sort of perform as well as they can in job applications and, and interviews, etc. And they're often been asked questions such as how they respond to sort of change in their work or how they deal with unexpected change. So I wonder, can you give us an insight into the way that you have to deal with unexpected change in your role within the, the NHS?
2: I mean, I, as I always tell to people, and that change is the only constant in life. As we go, I mean, there will always be any changes within anywhere we are. Uh, Things aren't changing in the world. So as individuals, we also need to change to careers also need to change along the line. Uh, I think one of the major changes I said I had to really, really undertake is the the challenge of moving from my comfort zone in Nigeria, where I'm well-established, I'm moving to a new country, Mm. which is very unknown to me then. And into a new environment, a new cultures, new way of doing things, new way of practicing medicine was a little bit changed to me. But what I generally tell people is that we should be resilient. As human beings, we always adapt to anywhere we find ourselves. If I go to Antarctica today and now we adapt as a where <laughs> we always adapt. So change is the most uh, is constant in life and we also change. So I think it's just more uh, learning more in the environment, be resilient and believe that you can be having a very positive mental attitude to what you need to do in life, not since we change. And we could see when with the COVID, the infection and the COVID pandemic, a lot of things have changed. There's so many things people will believe it's not possible. But when the COVID came, we could see which women basically changed one hour way. If they said people will be wearing face masks, pre- people said no. <laughs> but we as human beings, we are that, and then we So I mean, yeah.
1: Thank you, Chris. Yeah, that's a really, really sort of strong example, isn't it? That actually, even in the face of massive shifts, and like you say, relocating to a completely different country and different culture... And even though, you know, you were still practicing in medicine, you still had sort of identity as a doctor, the way that kind of profession is enacted, so to speak, is is different. So, yeah, really interesting. And you're right. I mean, the COVID pandemic has taught us, if nothing else, that we can adapt, you know, when we actually have to. Okay, so you'll know that, you know, many of our students are studying within the sort of global health, tropical diseases, kind of fields, similar to, to, to what you're specializing as well. Are there any particular... Sort of websites or publications or organizations that organize conferences, et cetera, that you particularly recommend our students to engage with, as well as doing their studies.
2: Yeah, I think generally, are we? I mean, I we suggest to any student or anybody? Networking is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can either network online or in person. So for the in-person networking. There is some um, conferences, especially if you can attend related to infection, depending on what specialty you are. If you want to do more global medicine or public health infection, there's always a all conferences available online, uh, which you can find or through the different association. I also suggest, uh, most of those conferences are usually very cheap or very free compared to yes, they usually made very free. And also, I also suggest people to join professional bodies, organizations. It could be the International Society of Infectious Diseases, it could be the European European uh, Clinical and Microbiology Infection Society, it could be the British Infection Association. And for students, the rate are either free or very a uh, very low rate for right. them. They can join them, and through that, you can meet the people attending those conferences, you can meet people. Also, you can network with people through that that way. And yeah, so also, yes, that's just what the face-to-face meeting. Also, the online meeting, I know LinkedIn is a very good way to be able to network with people. And you can meet a lot of professional people there. Um, Through professional network, I think it just more or less creates a relationship with others who can help you and help you with your career. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing I you say with uh, networking is that you, once you be the next world, try and maintain on it. Because mm-hmm. when I feel is somebody will know someone that will know someone that will know someone mm-hmm. that can be linked you to what you want. Mm-hmm. So just ask them and be open, not let them know. And also when you go into any networking, always ask for help. If you don't ask, people will not know. Yeah, don't. Sometimes some people believe I don't think he can help me unless you ask. If I don't know, I may know somebody that may know, and that person may know somebody that may know, and that's very important. And also, when you have any networking, always make sure you keep in touch with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And also, when you do any networking, don't be selfish. You mm-hmm. give, I give. People learn from you. I still learn from students. Even when I do see my medical student, I still learn from them. We keep learning. We keep learning every day. Women beings, we keep learning, learning every day. So I think you also need to give, and people will give to you. And mm-hmm. um, as I said, the power of social media is very important. Apart from LinkedIn, you can also Google, yeah, uh, Facebook could be a method of linking. And as if you Google, you can get a lot on the internet. Regarding Mm. which associations, what it involves, the contact, you can even get emails of people there. You can drop emails and they will respond to you. I mean, if somebody find my email online and I send an email to me, I would definitely respond to them. So I think ask Ask. ask and ask. If you don't ask, you wouldn't find.
1: Yeah, such good advice. And you're right. I think sometimes our students, you know even if they've got quite a bit of experience in the workplace maybe they're a career changer we can sometimes as human beings feel a bit reticent a bit shy about approaching someone we don't know can't we you know and asking for that but you know we're often saying in the careers team that everyone's been at the start of their career at some point you know and the and often people are kind in sharing their experience and their expertise and time as you are because other people have helped them, you know, yes. and it's kind of like you say, it's returning the favour. I thought that was really interesting what you were saying again about the professional organisations, sort of the International Society of Infectious Diseases. So yes. that's a really important point, isn't it? That don't overlook the eagerness of those organisations to help you in your career development, because yeah. often, you know, that's a big part of the sort of role of those organisations. I yeah. um, think you how to do that.
2: And as I just said before, most of those organizations, they provide the free membership with a student yeah. of very reduced rates. So at the end of the day, they may not really cost you so much.
1: Mm.
2: At the end of the day, and some of them also offer scholarship for students.
1: Fantastic.
2: Yes. Yeah. So I think you just need to check on the internet. You see so many of them. Mm. Yeah.
1: And do those professional organizations that they also tend to advertise particular opportunities like maybe yeah. placements or study opportunities, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, so did you have a placement? Uh, and also, usually, sometimes have a placement and attachment. For example, I was—I uh, I mean, when I was—I think I, when I was a training in mm-hmm. in my earlier career of training, I was a member of the European Society of uh, Clinical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases, mm-hmm. and they did offer—I was able to get a scholarship to go to the uh, the Communicability Center in Stockholm just for a placement, so we able to learn about that. So you join them, you know, be a member, and as a member, then will be able to apply for all those opportunities. Mm. There's always opportunities there yeah. for it. Just and look. the internet, it's made the world a global village, so you can get anything you want on the internet.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. And you're right, you know, that's the kind of the liberating aspect of this isn't it is like you say those opportunities the chance for you to go to Sweden and attend those sort of events you know they're often out there it's just sometimes they don't get as many applicants as they expect because people perhaps don't realize like you say that student membership is reasonably low or if not completely free uh so absolutely you know make the most of the the global village like you say and, and tapping into that Okay, so you've told us a lot about professional networking, which has been really helpful. Um, I just wonder now. I mean, like you say, it's a, it's a it's a long term to qualify, long term process to qualify as a clinician and become a consultant, as you have, and obviously then you've got years of experience in your work that you've been doing in your senior clinical lectureship as well. But if I was to say, Chris, to sort of imagine a less experienced version of yourself, yes, maybe you know going going right back to when um, you were doing your postgraduate diploma with us or, or your master's. Um, is there any other advice you'd give yourself to get some additional experience beyond the networking you've mentioned? Anything else, any sort of top tips you'd give it to yourself?
2: I, I would say, yeah, one well, is, especially with the University of London, we have this alumni event. This is our people that have gone through the courses and, uh, and they can link with those events. You will gain from people there. Also, the alumni ambassador, which is I'm part of, is somebody you can approach it. People do send me emails from time to time about what's your experience, could you have advice on this, which I do provide. So, if we ask people have I been mean, experience through that, unless you ask, you will not know. So, ask and ask and ask. Absolutely. And asked
1: again. Yes. <laughs> Completely. And that's a really good point about the alumni ambassador scheme. And, you know, on, on our website, you can access the list of alumni ambassadors and it tells you which courses people have graduated from, what sectors they kind of work in. So, you know, we're really lucky to have such great alumni ambassadors such as yourself. So last question. Um, we do quite a lot of work within the careers team with our distance from flexible learning students about transdisciplinary learning where because we've got such a diverse group of students who are based all across the globe, studying lots of different programmes at different stages of their career, we like them to get together and, and learn from each other and work in a transdisciplinary wor- world and in a transdisciplinary way. I just wonder, from your experience uh, as a clinician, I mean, how important is transdisciplinary or multidisciplinary working to you?
2: Yeah, so I've been mean, working with the NHS, I work in a multidisciplinary team. And as you already said, people is none of us is as smart as all of us. (laughs) And uh, many hands make the light work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, most of the is very important because you have different people from different uh, backgrounds and it improves the outcome of the team. Because uh, there's some that more limits. The person have their own limit, and if we come together, we know how we can get things done properly. And we also learn. I learn. I keep learning every day, learn from the way things, even things I think I've learned for years. When somebody presented from another perspective, mm. we learn. We keep learning on Friday. Day. And it's also a for progress to increase productivity and in continuous team improvements you keep improving your team reduction in um in wastage because you um, effective use of your resources and also very good for collaboration and uh, very important for cooperation and it makes the assignment tasks easier for example in my team we need to do something i can I don't know I don't have the capacity or maybe the capacity or the knowledge to do that. Somebody else will take that all and get it done quickly. And uh and also, yeah, I do learn from them sometimes. From
1: Fantastic. Well, look, Chris, I am so grateful to you for fitting this in. I know thank you're you very much an incredibly busy man and an incredibly generous one as well. So thank you so much for your time and your expertise. And uh, thanks for giving us an insight into your world. Thank you. Uh,
2: thank you very much. And always was a
0: pleasure.
1: Okay. Take care. Thanks thank again.
0: You. Bye. This was the Global Careers Calls podcast. Brought to you by the University of London Career Service. You can find all episodes on your favourite podcast provider and all links and resources mentioned by our host are in the episode notes. This episode was hosted by Laura Brammer. It was edited by Bush Rejanu and presented by me, James Weaver, and produced by all of us. We'll have more episodes coming out in the following weeks with some motivational stories from our diverse graduate cohort. So please do subscribe. And to listen to previous episodes and find further resources made by our team, visit www.london.ac.uk forward slash careers. Thanks for listening and join us next time for a new Global Career Call.